Welcome to the Grow Gelt Podcast, where we talk about ups and downs, ins and outs of fundraising for nonprofits. Our host is Elazar Green, CFRE, who specializes in communication, strategy, and donor relations. He's helped over 100 nonprofits raise millions of dollars. Every episode is designed to be 10 minutes or less, giving you just enough time to get the answers you need while juggling your busy schedule. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the 24th episode of the Grow Guild Podcast. My name is Eliza Green. I'm thrilled that you're here with me today. Question we're going to talk about today is how much are you worth? This is a very, very important question because it affects how we fundraise. It affects how we make our ask. If, we, if it affects if we can include our salaries in the presentations that we ask donors and philanthropists and grant makers to help with to help. How much are you worth? There is actually a recent edition of the Chronicle of Philanthropy that talks about a a nonprofit employee named Jenna. Jenna was working in DC in a wildlife conservation nonprofit and she was working there her first year out of college at a $46,000 salary range in Washington DC. It is very difficult to live in Washington DC on $46,000. It is more than difficult. It is impossible and she couldn't do it. She took a roommate, didn't help or couldn't help as much. She had to take a second job. You know what happens when you work two jobs and trying to do the thing that you love? You follow your passion, follow your dreams. You know what happens if you need to take another job to do that? You get quickly burned out and you get extremely exhausted. That's exactly what happened. She had to quit both jobs. She moved back to California where she was from. She accepted another job at another nonprofit somewhere else. How much are you worth? This is a problem internally and it's a problem externally. Non- the nonprofit sector is used to paying employees less than fair, less than what they're worth, less than what the same people with the same experience and the same degrees are are making in the professional for-profit sector. Jenna's colleagues were getting job offers for $160,000 at various law firms because she wanted to change the world and she had a passion that she felt she can really make a difference Therefore, she was only worth $46,000. It's a problem externally with the nonprofit. The, the nonprofit sector believes that it's okay to pay people less than other organizations. And what's happening, and this is creating a talent drain because your dreams and your passions will only go f- so far. The fact is you can make a difference. That's great. At the end of the day, though, all of us, want the same thing. We all want families to eventually we're going to support. We all want to be taken care of when we're old. We all want to be able to live comfortably and financially secure. And that, and if a person having the same qualifications is being offered a job at a third of the price, or a third of the rate that other organizations are offering the for-profit sector, this will create a talent dream in the nonprofit sector. So if you have the ability, if you're a CEO or a other, some other official in the nonprofit organization, I encourage you to look very carefully at your employees and make sure that they're happy, that they're compensated fairly, 
and that they're not, and that you're getting the most you can out of them. Imagine if someone has to work another job just to work on your mission. Do you really think that you're getting the best and the brightest of their day if they walk in after pulling a third shift somewhere else? It's very, very difficult. So if you are in, if you are a nonprofit and, and you have the ability to, to change, I encourage you to look very carefully at your, at, at your uh, policies and your salary structure. If you are the person in charge and you really basically only have one or two employees, this question actually gets crystallized even stronger because you're thinking to yourself, I am literally asking this person to pay for my mortgage, my personal mortgage. You ask them for $1,000, it's like it's going directly, you feel, it's possible to feel as if it's going directly to your pocket. Um, in which case, you again have to think about what this is something which is important to do. If your mission that you're doing is important enough for you to do it, then it's important enough for you to live properly while you're doing it. And you cannot change the world. You cannot fulfill your mission if you don't have a roof over your head or food on the table. <coughs> All of us need to be financially secure in order to do our mission. And if you're not financially secure, then the mission will suffer. I can't tell you how many nonprofits out there where the CEO is running everything. There's a one-person shop. The CEO is running everything. And as soon as that one person uh, can't do it anymore, either because financially they just can't keep making that sacrifice, so after 10 or 15 or 20 years, they just give up. And that nonprofit fizzles and dies. Because th that person couldn't or didn't make the necessary steps to make sure that they are financially secure themselves. If you want your nonprofit to succeed, the first thing you have to do is make sure that your employees, including yourself, can succeed doing your nonprofit. That's a very, very important thing. So back to the question, how much are you worth? So I want to share with you a little story. A couple of years ago, um, someone called me up and asked me for a quote for an appeal package. And for those who don't know, an appeal package is essentially a, a package where I sit down with a nonprofit, I go over the past uh, direct mail appeals, what have they done in the past, what have people responded to, how many people responded to, what amounts have they responded to, and I look at different reasons why people give, and then I write a letter that's designed, hopefully, if it works, usually it does, designed for people to give money to this organization. There's a whole strategy involved, it takes somewhere around 30 to 40 hours. That's of active work. Never mind the follow-up and the questions and, and, and so on and so forth. So the person asked me how much is a quote. I thought about it and I, and I did and I, and I made sure that uh, obviously I'm within range of what other others do it for. And I quoted him, I think it was about $4,000. So I quoted him that I could do this appeal package for. He got so upset. He said, oh my gosh. How could you charge so much? You're, you're making money off the backs of nonprofits. You're living off the backs of nonprofits. How can you do this? And they, in, a, in a frenzy and in a fury, they hung up the phone. Oh my goodness. And um, it was a very unsettling feeling to have that. It's very unsettling to have your value questioned by others. 
And I think because a part of us is always has that little lingering sense of self-doubt, of self-worth. Are we really worth what we say we are? Are we really worth this amount? Are we really worth that? Are we really worth investing in in general? <coughs> and the way I got around it and the way I dealt with it um, is I prepared in advance. I knew this was going to happen because it ha- always happens at some point in your career. People will ask you, why are you worth that much? Why do you pay? Why do you charge so much? Why are you worth that much? Why do you think your salary is worth that much? And the answer, the answer, I believe, needs to be prepared in advance when you're not in the heat of the moment, when you're not, when you're not struggling in the sense of self-worth. You can tell them, and this is what I told that person as well. I said, look, this is the amount of time that I'm going to put into this project. This is the amount of time that I'm comfortable. This is the amount of money that I'm comfortable charging for this amount of time. There are plenty of free resources, free resources out there where you can do this yourself. But if you want my help and my involvement, this is what it's going to be. And um, I felt good about it, even though I didn't get that particular bid. I felt good about the fact that I was able to stand up and say to myself and say to other people with confidence that uh, this is what I'm worth for this project. And um, I'm not forcing you to avail yourself of my services, but this is nonetheless what it's worth. And the same thing, when when you speak to your employer, if it's about a salary or if it's about anything else, um, when it comes down to how much you're worth, it's important to remember this is what you need in order to live comfortably, not ostentatiously, but comfortably in a way, financially secure. And, and it's actually doing your nonprofit a service by making sure that you yourself are, are, are financially secure. And, and going, getting back to the story, my story with that individual, I am actually doing maybe not his or her nonprofit a service, but I'm doing other nonprofits a service with the fact that I'm still out there and I can, I can provide the service to people who need it, to nonprofits who really need it and who, who can afford it and really help them in their mission in a way that they can't do by themselves or they won't do by themselves. The other thing I want to talk about is um, the concept of self-worth. There is... And I said this before, there's a little little, little lingering doubt inside each of us that wonder if we're really worth paying it, if it's really worth what we say we're worth. And this is a problem that's more emphasized by small shops, because if you're the only person there and you're the only employee and you're running all the programs and you're doing administration and a big chunk of this of the money that comes in is going to go to your to taking care of your needs because you're the only one who's taking care of everyone else's needs. And often, especially nowadays, where donors have been burnt by some of these nonprofits out there have been taking so much money for fundraisers. So they, they, um, I think I forgot what the organization is called. It was a knockoff of Make-A-Wish Foundation. I think it was Kids Wishes or something. I'm going to Google it after this recording. 90% of the funds that they raised went directly to pay for fundraising and fundraising expenses. So the means is they, they farmed their fundraising out to some company that raised, uh, let's call it $6 million. And that fundraising company took all of that money that six, they took and only gave $600,000 back to the organization to, to fulfill kids' wishes. And there's a few organizations out like, like this, and donors have been burned, and grant makers have been burned, and philanthropists have been burned. So they're so we're being taught nowadays to ask this question: How much money goes to overhead? 
which really makes the problem worse because the, the problem that makes the the am I really worth this amount of money worse because the nonprofits start getting used to the idea or we're being trained by our donors that you can't have overhead because it's not fair that, that a person who gives a dollar should to, to charity should expect most of it go to the fundraiser. And the truth of the matter is they're right. Of course they're right. And, and those organizations are shameful. They should not be doing those things. At the end of the day, though, I believe the needle has swung too far, too fast in the wrong direction. And we have to swing it back a little bit. Yes, 90% of, of, of revenue being spent on fundraising expenses is way too much. Nevertheless, we need to have a healthy amount of overhead to be sure that the employees that we have are taken care of properly and are financially secure so we don't have this talent drain and, and drain of experience of our organization. Can you imagine trying to run an organization where as soon as someone gets a little bit of a, a little bit of experience, a little bit of talent, they look somewhere else to see where, where they could get paid a little bit more to do almost the same exact thing? Can you imagine what it does to the nonprofit sector? And can you imagine what would happen if we were able to keep on to our people, hold on to our employees, hold on to our talent for years and years and years, and how much farther and faster and stronger we would be as a sector? Uh, I'm going to tell you a little story, another little story. There was a, um, I was doing a training once with Mark Pittman, <coughs> and he explained the idea of overhead is, is like a Coke bottle. You don't go to the store and say, I'd like to buy a bottle of Coke. And it gives you a bottle. He said, no, no, I want just the Coke. I don't want the bottle that holds the Coke. I want just the liquid inside. You can't do that. You have to have the bottle. The bottle comes with the Coke. And when you start cheaping out on the bottle, and it actually affects the Coke inside. It gets less fizzy, the bottle cracks easily. If you drop it, it gets all over the place. You need to have a strong overhead, a functional overhead in order to have a wonderful mission success. And that is what I wish each of you today. As you go along your day, wish you success in each of your missions. And remember, you are worth more than what you think you are. And, you, and don't be afraid to not stand up, but to clearly articulate what it is that you need in order to live financially secure so your mission and a nonprofit gets the most out of you as they can. I wish you all a wonderful day. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Grow Gelt Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you think a friend may enjoy it, please feel free to pass it on. To have your question featured on the show or to send us some feedback as to how we're doing, please send an email to egreen at growgelt.com.